Hello and welcome to the first episode of a new show where uh, people talk about science fiction and artificial intelligence. My name's Luke Burridge and I'm the science fiction kind of expert side of this. I host a show, uh, a podcast called the Science Fiction Book Review Podcast. And uh, yeah, I'm bringing some knowledge about science fiction and uh, novels and other things like that. And uh, joining me is, of course, Sid. So introduce yourself, Sid, and say, say what you're bringing to the course. Yeah. Hi. So I am uh, Siddharth Krishnan. I am a professor of computer science, particularly specializing in artificial intelligence, machine learning, data analytics. So in some sense, I am bringing the science aspect. And uh, in this in this series of um, uh, episodes and this podcast, our goal is to kind of uh, investigate the intersection of uh, science fiction, AI, and um, other concepts in computer science that pertain to science and science fiction. That's right. And this is the first episode. In fact, this is the first time that we've done a, a podcast recording. Although Sid did, he was a guest on uh, one of my podcasts when we talked about podcasting, uh, interestingly enough. And uh, he's a listener to my uh, podcast. But the the whole point of this is this every episode or every book or movie or TV show or work of science fiction that we discuss from the point of view of, you know, thinking about artificial intelligence, there's going to be two episodes the first episode of each one is the um, book introduction or the movie introduction where me and Sid, we've already read it or watched it or, you know, have, have a way to talk a little bit to talk about. We'll introduce what the book is kind of about, some initial thoughts of it and why you should read it and why we're picking this book. Episode two will be recorded in about a month's time. And, uh, and that is for the people who read the book and want to join in in a discussion where they can talk to Sid and talk to, and talk to me and uh, ask questions and we'll have some of, uh, and this will also be recorded uh, via via Zoom meeting, and we can have different people asking questions, and that'll be more of a free ranging discussion on uh, on on the topic at hand. And so, without any uh, th any further ado, let's introduce the book. Uh, well, it's not really a book; it's more of a novella, isn't it? Uh, it was actually uh, I thought it was a short story when I recommended it to Sid. I was like, "Ah, here's a good first episode. It's all about artificial intelligence. Uh, it's a short story by Ted Chiang, and Ted Chiang is a he's a multiple uh, award-winning author to the point where normally." If he released a book for, for a good span of years, if he released a, a short story or a novella, it would just win the Hugo Award, it would win the Nebula Award. And these are like the, 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 the Hugo and Nebula Awards are like the two main uh, science fiction awards for literature. Um, but then he also wrote a story uh, which was turned into the movie Arrival, and that won a Hugo for dramatic presentation. So he can't help it. Every time he releases a book, it wins the awards and gets turned into movies and things like that. And, uh, and but this this, weirdly enough, uh, is a is a bit longer than I remember. I thought it was a short story. It's actually a novella. And so I listened to it as an audiobook. It was about two and a half hours as an audiobook. So I was expecting about an hour's reading experience, but it was actually a bit longer. I hope that wasn't a problem for you, Sid. You got you read it as a paperback, I think. Is that right? That's right. So yes, uh, it was a beautiful book. Thanks for the, the recommendation. I wouldn't have known. Of course, uh, Ted Chiang, uh, I got to know of Ted Chiang when when the movie Arrival came. That's how, uh, yeah. you know, it's like, oh, this movie, it's it's so critically acclaimed. Let's go on and look up and find out what it's the, what's the story yeah. about. And then you find out that there's this guy called Ted Chiang, who is a computer science person in by training. Yeah. 
who has gone on to uh, have a you know very successful uh, yeah. right, uh, career as a as a short story writer. And, yeah, you know, get, he doesn't actually write his... novels. This is about as long as his work gets because he has these really right. strong ideas. Weirdly enough, I actually think I'm. This is I think. Even though I think this is very a very interesting book, very thought provoking, I actually think it's one of his. I, I don't want to say weaker books. So I'm just saying if or weaker stories. But there's many other stories which st- have stuck with me longer. Even included some of the stories in this book. The uh, the uh, was it the 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 alchemist daughter? No, was it the the alchemist gate? I can't remember. I, I should have looked up the other stories in this short story collection. But uh, yeah, if you want to read this, it's available in the uh, Ted Chang uh, story collection called Exhalation and this is the longest story in Exhalation uh, but there are some other really good stories um, in that collection too but this is the one that we're talking about because this is the one that's specifically about artificial intelligence yeah he has a knack for packaging his ideas in the in the short story form and leaving with uh leaving it with an impact leaving the reader with an impact yes. I think so uh and and novels usually when they are adapted to movies, aren't very successful because you know they have to edit out many parts. Yeah, but too much, short too story much is to, cut out. You're right. Yeah, so short story to movie adaptation is fantastic. So and and he's got this knack of being able to uh, pull it off very effectively. Yeah. So let's talk more specifically about this work. You said before that he actually worked in software. He's. I looked up his Wikipedia page here, and it said he was a, a technical writer for in the software development world, and uh, which is very obvious in the title of this book, the life cycle of software objects. Software life cycle is something that you know you always see the diagrams of of what is it like. You you come up with the idea, you do the analysis, planning, then design, implementation, um, maintenance, whatever. whatever Whatever it goes on and there's always this loop that goes around and then you start the next project and the and the life cycle continues on yeah right i think uh it, it it also fits the uh the title and and the kind of the theme of our podcast and luke you're a programmer and yeah to all the students who are oh, no, listening no no no. They- no 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 let's say i'm not a programmer i do some scripting i do some web scripting i do some game development but i am i am not a professional i'm not trained in in software development at all i'm a professional juggler as you can see by this juggling stuff on the wall behind me here <laughs> if you're looking at the video um no I, I that is very that is something that i'm i'm not an expert in it's just something i have well, developed over the time yeah. Let me paraphrase. You have done yeah. some programming, so you yes, understand. Yes, that is true. That uh, is true. Yeah. And and to all the students who are going to be listening um, yeah. to this to this podcast, essentially, one of the first things that they teach uh, students in a software engineering class is a life cycle. Oh, of is that is that correct? Yeah, right. So that's the, so I think it's uh, it's quite, and then that sets up the 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 canvas for right. illustrating all the different concepts involved in this set. Yeah life cycle so and objects as uh entities in programming are mm-hmm. instances and instantiations yeah. of uh classes in object-oriented yeah. programming things that you basically give a rule and structure and then you instantiate a class of that object yeah and and since you and i have read the story it's such a remarkable and it, technical yet 
all-encompassing yes. title for that short story. Yeah, it's very well, clever. And this is the thing. It's because this is written. And this is so, it always so annoys me when I read books or see science fiction. This is one of the reasons why I wanted to, like, like one of the many reasons I thought this would be a good first episode or a good first science fiction work to work with is because it's about software written by someone who is a software professional. So it has things like really obvious things which are not ever obvious it never seems like this is obvious in normal science or other science fiction about artificial intelligence which is like a version control where they're like oh we'll just roll it back like oh what were the latest commits oh we did this thing oh roll it back to the last backup roll it back to the last checkpoint you know like this is like really obvious stuff for anyone who's ever worked with software or even played a video game you're like oh no i jumped off a cliff and oh i can go back to the last save point it's it's it, that is baked in like these software ideas ideas are kind of baked into what the story is about and that is it and again just to talk you know more broadly before we get into a little bit more detail about why why we've picked this story as, as the first one to talk about in terms of science fiction and artificial intelligence is that it is like it, it's about you know it's using it, it's looking at artificial intelligence as software however it doesn't really like it's also about people you know, it's about conscious software and all of that. How is consciousness made? How is all of that? You know, all of that is like happens before the novel. And this kind of jumps in at the point where like, oh, right, we're doing the trade, we're doing the development, we're training and then deployment. And then later on, as you know, it's, it, it, as happens in, in software in the real world, what happens when, when stuff is end of life or sunsetted, you know, and some things become obsolete and you close the services and you get all the, what is it, the internet of things where people's fridges don't work anymore because they can't contact the servers, you know, all this stuff which is happening now in our, in, in, as, we, as we know software works, that is all addressed in the book in a very clever way. Go for it. Absolutely. And, and I think... Uh, one of the interesting things that uh, Ted Chiang addresses in this book is this philosophical question that most researchers in artificial intelligence are asking uh, these days is that is is intelligence a trainable property or is it yes. an emergent property? Is mm. it something is 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 that, is that kind of generalized artificial intelligence going to come as a culmination of multiple training? that yes. you do for these artificial intel artificially intelligent entities that they're going to collectively um come together and have an emergent consciousness right so this this uh the, and, and he teases that out really well mm. uh, along with some some interesting other questions and uh yeah, yeah when we want to when we talk about the the specifics of the story at least the broad yeah. strokes before we get into the discussion yeah. uh, I'll bring up some points that I noticed yeah, well, I just want to, as we, you know, as we getting like sort of a bit more into this, again, reasons why I picked this story as the first one we should do is because this feels like classic science fiction, even though it's kind of very up to date in kind of like software ideas and things. Um, it feels classic science fiction because it's artificial intelligence in a way which we don't think of artificial intelligence now like now when you say oh we've got some uh, like my phone has an ai chip in it. it's it got machine learning chip in the phone um we, these days in like 2021 we never think oh that means my phone is conscious and has feelings like what we think of 
when we hear the word AI now in 2021 is very different from when even this book was written in 2007. Actually, let me quickly look it up when it uh, was published in in 2010. So probably written uh, roughly around about that same time. But yeah, like this book is the classic. Oh, what would happen if computers have feelings? What would happen if a robot could smile? What would happen if, you know, a robot could fall in love? Those those kind of questions which feel very classic art artificial intelligence style like science fiction which these days if i said uh, machine learning or art- well if i say now ai to anyone they immediately think oh i have ai on my phone it makes my camera work better and these days we think of artificial intelligence as like a tool that helps us just do something slightly better or you know google is ai but we don't think it's conscious and that's why i like this it's it's probably the last and one of the best examples of what would like artificial intelligence meaning a conscious being that thinks and has feelings and can be a, a standalone unit? Whereas now we don't think that of Siri. We just think, or, or you know, when you say, hey, Google or whatever, like we don't think of those as things with feelings. They're just helping us do the job. And this is one of the last novels or one of the last stories that I can think of where it's like the old style or like the 1990s version of what we think AI should be. Any thoughts about that, Sid? Absolutely. I think you're you're bang on with that, with that interpretation of how the word AI has been thrown willy-nilly these days. Right? Yeah. So uh, in some sense, for the most part, what we do now under AI, and I'm throwing air quotes when I say yeah. <laughs> this, is uh, that it's basically advanced statistical properties that can mm. be achieved on large amounts of data with the immense computational power that we have now. Yes. So people were thinking about some of these statistical properties almost 50 years ago. Yeah. But now, but, but at that point of time, they had only synthetic data, not real data, mm-hmm. and they did not have the computational power that we have these days with the tensor processing and the graphics yeah. processing units being used for computation. So now is a world, the reason why neural networks and other some of these concepts have become more mainstream discussion is because uh, these technical and these technical units, neural networks, have evolved uh, to something that can actually be developed by software engineers because of the data that's available, because of um, of, of computational power that's available. So, at, at, I mean, at, at a very uh, basic level, Siri or Hey Google are natural language processing, which is basically allowing a computer to just communicate with a human being in the language of their choice, right? Yes. So it's natural language communication. So, and you're right in the sense, AI's definition has been so, uh, I would, I don't want to use a, a, a negative word, but instead I'll say the definition of AI has been more encompassing than, um, than what we understand as you know, uh, AI. Yeah. When we were reading Isaac Asimov and yeah, and, yeah, of and, course, and the, the, robot, the robot series back yeah. in the day. We will get to some other stories, which actually, weirdly enough, written way back in the day, but are actually more about big data sets. We we have some other stories on the list that we're going to get to. So some like classic short stories, which uh, which talk about like some of the first views of uh, like the big data and how to sort through big data to get through them. We actually have some things to talk about there. So yes, I I understand that. Like when we say AI now, most people don't think, oh, uh, you know, Isaac Asimov robot, uh, I, I can't do harm to humans. And actually, that's another thing that I wanted to bring out now is that 
a lot of the book, Life Cycle of Software Objects, is talking about ethics, like like the AI ethics, like artificial intelligence ethics. Now, if I was to say that in 2021, and I say ethics um, in artificial intelligence, I'm thinking most people would think, well, the data sets have to be, you know, in, in this way that like, oh, these police are using this thing of facial recognition and, you know, oh, it can't just be like all, like all the data sets can't just be white men. You know, there has to be diversity. There has to be inclusion. And I found it really interesting to read one of these stories, which again, it feels like one of the last of the things of like, oh, but you know, if it's a living being, we can't, you know, we can't harm it. We can't cause it pain if you turn it off. Is it living anymore? Is it murder to turn off an AI? And I think these days, if we, if there was a, like a similar story written about artificial intelligence now and ethics in artificial intelligence, I think it would be much more from the point of view of like, not allowing harm to humans by artificial intelligence or machine learning or data analysis, big data analysis or whatever it is, but not in the way of like Terminator. Oh, you know, the, these AI things are going to try and wipe us all out because they're jealous of us or, or whatever the, you know, the motivations of evil AIs are. Um, so yeah, that's a, that's another way that I thought this, this um, story was kind of in that classic, classic form of sort of like, oh, we can't mistreat the AI. And in 2021, in the real world, we're like, we can't let AI mistreat humans. It's, it feels like the world has kind of flipped around in the last 10 years since this was written. Yeah, so one thing that I uh, have noticed is that in, 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 the, in the artificial intelligence research community these days, uh, it's th most of fairness and, and ethics in AI uh, revolves around uh, bias. So to ensure that there is no bias in the in the data sets, there's no bias in, in how the models are being trained on these data sets. Uh, but none of them do address uh, this concept of, oh, if we do have an AI system that's, you know, uh, collecting data and is doing what it's supposed to do, uh, if we turn it off or we euthanizing yeah. something, it's, yeah, that's yeah. not Th that's touched not upon. the thoughts. That's not even touched upon now when we're talking about ethics in AI. Okay, so in this last little bit of this introduction podcast, is there anything that you want to like flag up in the novel, which is sort of like that you think you know, like warn people going in, or like mention things as like to set up people's expectations of this story before we uh, before we finish up on this first episode? There's one very interesting thing. In the very beginning part of the story that I want yeah. to talk about, and you know, this way I'm not revealing any suspense or anything that happens yeah, okay. in the story. Uh, so the story is 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 set up where there is a person uh, taking a new job as an animator, and yeah. in that, when they take the job, they say that they're taking that specific job because they like the philosophy of the company that they're joining. Mm. And the philosophy that they're saying is that experience is the greatest teacher. Something to that, I'm paraphrasing. Yeah. Yeah. And one thing that is very uh, consistent with with modern day uh, machine learning as we teach it now in, in the context of actual you know science as opposed to science fiction is yeah. that we do say that the models these days are just as good as the training data. So if you can train uh, and yes. the data sets are more efficient, they have the properties uh, that you want the model. The, and when I say model, it's the machine learning yeah. model or it's this artificial intelligence you know, entity. It's a black box that you can mm. teach. And if you use the right data and teach it the right things, 
then you expect that the performance will be consistent with that. So it's nice that the starting point of that story is actually exactly where current science yeah. is. Training data, yeah. <laughs> the training data. And, 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 and it evolves beautifully uh, to, in, to address other topics and it, it kind of guides the reader in, in a vision of AI that is definitely possible. Mm. And, and that's one thing I really like. Like at the beginning of the story, they hit something that everybody who's working in the field of AI or who is even learning AI yeah. is familiar with and then takes off from there and asks thought-provoking questions. What do you think, Luke? Uh, yeah, I mean, that isn't, I mean, that didn't jump out at me because, again, I'm reading it from like a, a science fiction reader's, reader's point of view uh, and not an academic. No, I just like some of the world building in this, I think, is really interesting. A lot of it is based on like second life metaverse. And I just realized, oh, I just heard, I think it was it Mark Zuckerberg saying, oh, yeah, we're going to go deep into uh, virtual reality and we're going to make our own metaverse, you know, all talking, pretty much referencing exactly Snow Crash um, by, is it? Uh, Neil Stevenson? Neil Stevenson. Yeah, Neil Stevenson. So, yeah, so I'm just saying, like, some of the stuff that's kind of mentioned in this book feels weirdly current to this this modern day. Also, I noticed something which was current. It actually said at one point um, there was, and then there was the latest flu pandemic, and the economy went into recession. And I'm like, wait, this was written in, like, 2009, and it's like, and everyone had to be at home. But there is one thing which I just want to mention of that, which, uh, I mean, again, not it's not really a spoiler, but what happens is they say, oh, and because the economy went into cons- uh, into recession, they closed down this virtual space. And I'm actually thinking in the modern day, that's actually the other way around. Like we're recording this on Zoom. And the reason why Zoom is suddenly a really important company is because of a because of a pandemic. And then everybody needs more virtual spaces and more virtual tools and more online stuff. So while I think some of the, I mean, a lot of this is uh, uh, you know, I, I enjoy the world building, especially in these digital spaces and the, you know, the compatibility issues in the online spaces and how many, how popular they are as people you uh, like tra- take their little AI creatures. I mean, we didn't really talk about the, m- the book much, but it's all about AI creatures and training AI creatures as though they're small children or pets or however it works out. So yeah, uh, and one other thing about that, there are there are some, you know, I. I'm not sure if we need to do trigger warnings, but there are some icky, kind of icky moments later on and, and throughout this book because, I, put, it, put it this way, if you're working with things on the internet, you're going to run across things on the internet which sometimes people are unsavory. So there's a few times in the book where unsavory things are mentioned or described. And uh, I mean, it's not that explicit, but I just want to put that little warning in here. Um, kind of internet, internet level... Uh, uh, unpleasantness happens at some points just being described it, you don't actually see it you know it's not actually super foregrounded but it is mentioned and uh yes and so i just want to mention that as well anything else yes so i think since we're doing this as a as a two-part uh I th- yes. it would be nice to maybe have some sort of teaser questions that we would like the readers to think about particularly ah, students okay so i would say can you come up with Two questions that you think are conceptually intriguing to you, and I will come up with two questions that are conceptually intriguing to me, and I'll do it from more a technical standpoint, and maybe you can do it, not that you should not do it from a technical standpoint, but from a philosophical or a storytelling standpoint, Okay. So that way we bring in these two perspectives, leave leave the listeners with uh, yeah. four questions to think about, and of course, 
we sure. encourage new questions as hey, well. Hey, this is the pilot episode. I didn't know you were going to spring some ideas on me. Okay, so one question I'd have is, um, the, what is like what is AI for? And in this book, it's quite clear that they that they're they're struggling to find a purpose for conscious AI, and I think that's going to come up many times as we do as we do this series of uh, of podcasts and discussions when we talk about this thing. Like almost every every story about artificial intelligence, there's always this. But why are we making artificial life, or why are we doing this? And this book like uh, goes over that so i think i think that's kind of i mean it's not so much a question but like when reading this book and then thinking about it is like what is ai for and you could be talking about the the conscious version of artificial intelligence or the the dumb but very clever and helps us do jobs kind of machine learning one so i'd say that is one question like that what again it's it's almost so broad it's meaningless but i think there's some good answers in this book uh, as you as you read through it like what what are these artificial intelligences for in this book? Let me put it that way, in this story. It's an excellent question. I think what's interesting is while you say it is a broad question, yeah. uh, I think in, at, uh, on the, at the end of the story, you realize why that's one of yes. the most pertinent questions to yes. ask. So that's a, it's a right. very good question that, yeah. uh, that I think everyone right. can what's think of. What's your first question? Your first question. I think my first question would be, all right, so I, I was talking about training data set, right? So if I were to have a, a an artificial intelligence model, so let's not think of uh, standard machine learning models like logistic regression or classification or having yeah. any of those things. But All these words that I don't a, know what I mean. <laughs> that's fine. I'm, I'm sure some listeners will catch on, especially the students, right? So yeah. if there was an AI model, how would you go about designing multiple different training data sets that mm. can assist that model to learn how to behave in different situations. And I think All that's right. a very interesting question versus let's say you give it image data uh, versus let's say you give it text data. How do you process those things differently or things that you yeah. can ask? Yeah, because that is actually one of the things that is there's there's diff there's like three different kind of models of these AI like versions of these AI and some of them are better at one things and some of them better at the others which I That's quite right. I, I see why you're asking that question. Okay, my second my second question here is um, more about user interface because I always find this fascinating. Like uh, uh, that's one of the things that really most annoyed me about the the book Snow Crash, where the metaverse is, like comes up is is a lot there. It's because like they want to have a meeting, so instead of just sending each other a link and both clicking a button, they actually have to like, go into virtual reality and then get on their skateboards in virtual reality and then go down the street in virtual. And I was like, what? What's going on here? This book is a little bit more clever in that way because it, it kind of acknowledges that these are constructs. And what I like is that they that they give them like big eyes, these big like an cute soft animal bodies and things. And so my my question is like. Do should there be signals like if you're developing artificial intelligence or if you're if you're a user and you're using artificial intelligence, what do you think the correct signals should be to you that you're using artificial intelligence? Because at the moment there's no user interface. When you type into Google, it just gives you an answer, and you don't know like is that a human giving you the answer or anything else giving you the answer? And I just want to like bring up because the, the, it's mentioned in this book about like why the an why these little animals look like they do. 
and is it right. and is it serving the software developers is it serving the artificial intelligence or is it serving the user and and i i just want to put that in 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 people's brains what does interacting with artificial intelligence look like of course we all know from the movies it's normally like a you know a humanoid a humanoid uh, robot looking person or it's just a disembodied voice like mother from alien and all the and mm. all the and all the or, tv or shows the, which rip off this- mother from alien that city from uh, her, like the the yeah, the, the, there's a science fiction movie that yeah. is we might Joaquin even Phoenix. we might even discuss I think we should that. talk about we that. Discuss, we should talk about that. that it's, might I think, be, a it's on really my list. Well, of, yeah, it's yeah, on my you, list of, of of stories or uh, things to talk about. So uh, yeah, so that's my thing. What should it look like? Like, should there be a universal sign to say like we have a Wi-Fi sign? We like if you see the Wi-Fi sign, you know that. If you see a, like uh, I know a, a volume slider, we know what that volume, the little symbol for that. Like, is there something that we could put in place for AI? Like, you are now communicating with uh, ai or using ai should that be needed maybe it doesn't isn't needed who knows anyway your second question my second question is that the book talks about having uh smaller entities of artificial intelligence it's called it's not spoilers it's more a technical term in the book they call it genomes and they use yes. that to synthesize you know the artificial intelligent objects that are in the in the story so the question is, yeah. if there are simple statistical models and we can continuously tune them to become better uh, models, for instance, recurrent neural network is a very simple neural network entity, but then the more it trains, okay. the more you modify it, you can start making it better. And then there's something yeah. called a convolutional neural network, which is another entity which is designed for some other specific task. The question is, can you realistically envision, and this need not be an answer that the students might get from the story, but this is something I think Mm. we all should think about, especially if we're getting technical in this field of AI, is to see if these molecules or these units or atoms of artificial intelligence can be combined and constantly improved to a state where we can get back almost cyclically to answer the first question that Luke phrased, which is, what is conscious AI? Yeah. That's, 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 the, that's the kind of question. Yeah, I, I right, don't okay. think there's, there's a direct answer to it, All but right, it's it, something but again, to think about more, as it goes on. As you're reading the book, think about this kind of stuff. Okay, so that's about 30 minutes, and this is about how long we said we'd do these introduction uh, podcasts for. Uh, Absolutely. And on the record, I do want to thank uh, Luke for this collaboration. Uh, Us from um, the Department of Computer Science at UNC Charlotte are um, grateful to you for agreeing to spend your time and uh, and working with uh, with us on this. I'm sure it'll be a fun series to produce. No, it's my pleasure. I'm really looking forward. I'm, the, the thing is, I'm most looking forward is to getting other people in on this call because, of course, you know we can chat about this stuff. But uh, I want people to have read the book and then we can get into. We can then assume people know the story or don't mind the story being spoiled or whatever. Like I say, this uh, this story is the life cycle of software objects. It's a novella by. 
by uh, Ted Chiang. You can read it in like an hour and a half, two hours. Again, if you get the audio book, it's on offer. Uh, you can get the full short story collection from Audible. And, uh, and it's like $10 on there, or you can get the Kindle book. Uh, uh, my, uh, my girlfriend, Juliana, she got it from the library app that she has and just read it for free. So uh, check out a library app if you want to check this out. And again, Since the- I know you well, I'm going to correct What's you in saying right. your wife, Juliana. Oh, okay. Yes, she is my yes. wife. I keep forgetting that. Uh, so, uh, so yes, we, uh, we again, uh, recommend this story. And also we recommend the other stories in the short story collection. However, not any, I don't think any of those are about, um, about artificial intelligence uh, quite as, uh, quite as uh, clearly as this one is. So Life Cycle of Sob- Software Objects by Ted Chiang. Read that. You've got about a month. We're going to do the, uh, the, the discussion. Uh, when did you say it's like at the end of... Um, at the end of August is when the semester begins again. Is that correct? That's right. That's right. Right. So we'll be doing it. We haven't set a time yet, but it'll be probably at the end of August or the first week of September. Um, yeah, so that's it. If you're interested in other discussions, me and my girlfriend, Juliana, uh, my wife, Juliana, as we say, we have our own uh, podcast. It's called the Science Fiction Book Review Podcast. I mentioned at the start. And you can find that at sfbrp.com if you want to have just general reviews. Every book that we read, every science fiction or fantasy book that we read, we discuss. The episodes are sometimes a bit longer than this. They go, they go like 45 minutes to an hour or an hour and a half depending on what uh, what we're talking about um, and we really get into the weeds of those books so uh, if you're interested in more of my voice you can find it over there not just me again it's me and uh, one other person but not Sid anyway Sid thank you very much uh, for yes, this and, interesting um, discussion the sfbrp.com if you go in it has a list of episodes and uh, Luke and Juliana have talked about a lot of episodes that do talk about artificial intelligence as yep. it is seen in science fiction. So you can yeah. be selective. You don't have to listen to them all. Oh, no, but no, I no. highly <laughs> encourage if you want um, if you want to listen to more content yes. about how science fiction perceives artificial intelligence and how you all can, uh, you know, extend your imagination from yep. what you learn in class into what artificial intelligence can be or cannot be. Uh, that's that's a good. A, it's a repository it's a, to d- draw some information from. And he really means you don't have to listen to them all because I've been doing it for, what, 13 years now and we've just, put, yesterday we recorded episode 462 or something. So Ooh. really, you don't need to listen to thousands of hours of Luke and Juliana talking about science fiction. Um, so uh, yeah, let's let's wrap it up there. Um, thanks a lot for listening or watching if you're, if you're seeing the, uh, the YouTube version of this and uh, we'll catch you next time. All right, bye-bye.